With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real. You're already working hard to earn your money. But how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Friday, September 22nd. I know you're all a tither because of the Federal Reserve. All right, maybe you're not. But the Federal Reserve did meet this week and they did decide not to raise interest rates to pause. And I thought this was a really interesting moment in the Fed rate hike cycle because they are unwilling to say mission accomplished because inflation still is pretty high. But they're also trying to figure out just how long they're going to need to leave interest rates at these current 22-year highs. So I went on CBS Mornings to discuss not only the Federal Reserve meeting, but also the UAW strike. And I thought this was a good moment to catch you up on the news of the week. So we're going to air the segment from yesterday on CBS Mornings. Your anchors are Nate Burleson, Tony DeCopel, and Gail King. And uh, I'll talk a little bit about some stuff we didn't cover when we get to the other side of the segment. In today's Money Watch, we are talking about the government's latest move on the economy. The Federal Reserve decided to hold interest rates steady yesterday after raising rates 11 times in the past year and a half to fight inflation. Meanwhile, the United Auto Workers strike against the big three automakers is in its sixth day with about 13,000 workers on the picket line. Yesterday, General Motors and Stellantis announced new layoffs that they blame on the strike. CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger is here to break it all down like boxes on recycling day. How are you doing? I'm doing well. All right, let's jump right into it. So the Federal Reserve, why did they decide to keep interest rates the same and steady? They basically believe the economy is expanding at a pretty solid pace, that the employment landscape is good, and they are encouraged by the most general categories of inflation coming down. So as a result, they kind of are saying, we need to take a pause right now. We may raise them in the future, but for today, we're good. And that was it. So we are still, though, at a 22-year high in short-term interest rates, five and a quarter to five and a half percent. Borrowers, you better get used to it. This is going to be sticking mm. around for a while. And, and what does it mean for inflation? I know their goal is to get it down to two percent. Yeah, I mean, they've made great progress, if you think about it. In the summer of 22, we reached a peak of the consumer price index, 9.1%. It was horrible, right? 
We're now down to 3.7% on an annualized basis, but the Fed does target 2%. They think that's the right pace for the economy to grow, to create jobs, and for workers to be okay with their take-home pay. Well, I'll tell you what's going to be hard for the Fed. Going from this current level of 3.7 to 2%, mm-hmm. this last 1.7% is going to be difficult for them. You keep hearing people complain about the cost of things, but then you hear about how inflation is supposedly going down. Is, is that number, does that include gas prices and like eggs and milk? And stuff? Uh, yes. So that top line number, 3.7, is inclusive of everything. The Fed does like to look at the core level. It strips away food and energy because those are such volatile categories. Like gas prices are up really enormously over the last few months Mm -hmm. because Russia and Saudi Arabia cut production. So when we take that out of it, the general rate of the core inflation is driving lower. And that is good news. Super interesting. Let's go to the United Auto Workers strike for just a second, because I've heard you say they have more leverage now than they did back in 2019. How is that possible? Well, it's interesting because when you look at what's happened to the labor market amid the pandemic, things really blew out, right? So first we were worried about automakers surviving. Then there was a surge of people who wanted cars. And when you look back to the last contract in 2019, don't forget, they negotiated that contract when it was 2% inflation. Mm -hmm. Now, both the automakers and the union members know inflation prices, they're up by 20% from 2019. Mm -hmm. So just to get them to like the fair level today, they've got to get a 20% increase. I also think that the union understands it's a tight labor market still. And it is important for these automakers to keep these people on the job because they've got to be competitive in the global market with electric vehicles. And we're Mm. seeing so many strikes now, Jill. The writers, hopefully that'll work out today. Mm. The actors. And now, why do you think... Saw Amazon earlier this year. Threat of UPS. Well, a couple of things that are interesting. What's happening is that a tight labor market does make unionization more appealing. The public is actually more accepting of unions. But when you look at the raw numbers, we look at the number of workers who were in a union back in 1983. It was 20% of workers and no. now it's 10%. Huh. If you look at private sector, so you pull government out, that number was 17% in 1983. It's 6% now. So union wow. membership is on a broad, multi-decade decline. Okay, I thought that was a solid segment. should give you a little basis for having a nice conversation about these issues with perhaps your friends at your next dinner party or just among yourselves. I think it's worth noting that oftentimes we look to the Federal Reserve and the analysts and the researchers there as being able to have some sort of predictive qualities. They don't. Yes, the Fed has a bunch of economists and researchers. They all look at a bunch of data points and they kind of make their best estimates going forward. But they've been wrong throughout the past few years. I know this has been a really volatile time. But, you know, if you look at all of the guesses among the Fed researchers, among private economists, they've really just missed it. Look, at the beginning of 2023, I remember a survey coming out from the Wall Street Journal. It said, we have this poll, 100% of economists believe the U.S. will enter a recession in 2023. Well, that has not happened. And by the way, the Fed thinks the economy is going to grow by about 2% this year. That's an amazing outcome. I mean, growth of any amount is sort of amazing, considering that interest rates have gone up by so much and really went up so quickly. So the economy is still adjusting to that. And I certainly understand that we are not holding any economist to a specific 
prediction in time. They make, again, they make their best guess and we go on from here. By the way, one other thing that the Fed wouldn't talk about yesterday was the impact of the United Auto Workers strike. The strike in the near term should have limited impact on the communities in which the workers go on strike. Remember, there's about 13,000 union employees who are now striking, and there could be more. They're going to see if this expands. But the communities where those folks are striking, they could certainly feel a pinch as workers spend less in those communities. The reason is pretty simple. The average UAW member was making about 1200 bucks a week. Now they're on strike. They're making $500 a week. And that's a big difference. So they could pull back. Maybe they're not going to go to the diner with their friends. Maybe they're not going to get haircuts. Maybe they're going to delay the purchase of new cleats for their kids. So I think the economic impact on those localities could be pretty swift. Long term and nationally, I don't know how much we're going to see an impact. And the reason is the auto industry makes up just a fraction of the overall economy. And even if you had 146,000 union workers going on strike, and they did that throughout the month of October, Economists are estimating that that would shave off some growth, maybe two-tenths of a percent off the country's GDP in the fourth quarter, but it would bounce right back once the strike is settled. So all of this is to say that there is good reason that the Fed went on pause. There are some crosswinds right now, and I know that there is some concern that rates are going to stay higher for longer, but... We can't fight that. I think it's better to accept that fact rather than try to figure out just when rates are going to go down, by how much. Let's live with what we have today, which is 22-year highs in short-term rates, over 7% for a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage, and nice interest being credited in your savings, your checking, your money markets, and your short-term CDs. So I guess that's the, uh, the, the generalized impact of where we are. If you have a question about the economy, about how the rates are impacting your own financial life, go to our website, jillonmoney.com, click the Contact Us button, let us know if you'd like to join us on the air. And by the way, while you're on the website, don't forget to sign up for the free weekly newsletter. It comes out every single Friday. Hey, that's today. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Talercio is our executive producer and Web King. We're distributed by Cadence 13. Lift someone up, change your work, change your wealth, change your life. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.